And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We're going to think about that sentence and what it summed up for them and what it means for us. But first of all, I'm going to show you some shots uh, that we took through the year. So Warwick is going to switch across to this computer. These are just some of the things that we did through the year. Now, I know that we've done 101 things and loads of things that you've been involved in and initiated probably won't be in these pictures. This selection of pictures relied on my iPhone and uh, one or two people's Twitter accounts. Um, Back in January, we put on that event, which was a Taizé event. Uh, Taizé is um, a Catholic retreat centre in France, and the... Uh, Taze community came across and we spent the weekend with them, which was absolutely fantastic. And on that Saturday, they helped us because we went across to the farm and there, all of those guys there and the guys from France helped load all of the shipping containers, the four shipping containers we filled with uh, product to send out to Greece. Um, We sent all of this stuff, four shipping containers full of... Uh, clothing, etc., etc., out to Greece uh, to be to be distributed by the Salvation Army there and used for refugees. Things were moving on. That was that was January. At the same time, now this shot features my grandson, not because I um, uh, not because I want it to feature him rather than anyone else, but that's Josiah. And the important thing is that he's in a digger. Uh, He loves diggers, if you know Josiah. Wherever there's a digger here, get in one. And that one used to be down there because we were building. Uh, We were building the sports hall that's now here. We were getting rid of the stained glass window that was there. It's been safely kept for another generation of people uh, somewhere. And uh, (laughs) I'm sure that was breaking all the health and safety laws, but Josiah said, could I fix it for him to sit in the digger seat? So I did. New birth was coming our way. This was the farm. This was in, uh, this was in March, I think. And um, all those little piglets were born. And that, was, that picture was taken of them the day after they were born. Tiny little things. Uh, then uh, on, as the uh, summer came, we had a baptismal service on the farm. And uh, that's me standing up and talking. And that is Flynn. Uh, Finn, who was baptised, and his dad, Mark, baptising him with me, and uh, several other people were baptised as well, but um, I got this shot from uh, Melissa, uh, Finn's mum. And this was the first ever, I think, tattoo. This is commitment to the cause, isn't it? So, uh, a tattoo on your hand to say that you belong to the church. I think everyone should do it, really. I kind of, you know... Uh, in May, I think it was, we went away on a, an away day, uh, church away day, and we went down to Oasis uh, Academy in um, Causton, and some of the kids came uh, with us from uh, the South Bank uh, School here, and as we drove in through the gates of the Causton School, those of you who've been there, it, it's got palatial grounds, and it's a huge building. Its entrance is bigger than the entire plot that we've got here. And the kids on the bus said, whoa, it's not fair, because it is such a big school. But I pointed out to them that their playground was the whole of London. You know, it's an amazing place to live right here, isn't it? Is it not? Then, 
um, we had to decide whether we were going to remain or leave uh, Europe, and we invited um, Ian Duncan Smith and Tim Farron to come along and debate the spirituality of staying or leaving. Uh, the evening uh, didn't turn out as planned because that was the day that really sadly Joe Cox was murdered and uh, once IDA, IDS and Tim Farron had arrived here at David Cameron, they were actually in the building and then David Cameron said that all debate about staying or remaining had to be called off. So um, Ian and Tim, they said little bits about Joe Cox and then left. The auditorium was packed and everybody had to listen to me for the whole evening. So that was a real flop. Um, we, uh, did, do you remember this day? This was the carnival day down at the, the park there where we also run the, uh, pl uh, the play space, which was fantastic. And then I think a few days later, perhaps a week after, there's a shop standing there. That's um, uh, Selena Wenyu, and uh, there's Joyce, and that's little baby Michael, and um, we are cutting the ribbon to go through into the Oasis Centre, and then the next week we had the grand opening of the coffee house, and there's a picture of Josh and some plant. I don't know what that is, really. Um, but And then we launched the new evening congregation uh, in September, um, the Coffee House congregation meets Sunday evenings, 6.30, and it's brilliant. And about the same time, a bit earlier, I think, the, um, there was a campaign, Save Our Libraries. They were shutting the library in Lower Marsh, and we saved the library. So the library is now here, and it's a full working part of what goes on here. And uh, if a go-go was very kind, and she said it wasn't to do with her, that uh, the raffle was taking place... But she is responsible for Lorraine. There's Lorraine, a go-go's daughter, who did the long jump for Team UK at the Olympics. Pretty good, eh? That's an amazing shot, isn't it? And then in August as well, Rob Bell came to speak and everything was uh, uh, packed out for him. And then a few weeks later, Tony Campolo came to speak and that was fantastic. And a few weeks after that, Brian McLaren came to speak and that was fantastic. And a few weeks after that, Jeremy Corbyn and his brother came to speak. <laughs> and they were really interesting. And... Um, as I said at the time, actually, I, um, I um, took that shot. I took that shot myself, and I would have said this at the time to some of you, but I, uh, at the end of the evening, I, I'd fixed up this um, evening with Jeremy Corbyn and Owen Smith about the leadership um, uh, of the um, Labour Party and uh, their, uh, the, the role that they believed the church could have in that. But really, my, um, I had this idea while I was on holiday, managed to talk them both into it. Really, my goal of the whole evening was to get that shot. <laughs> and I introduced Jerry to uh, Jeremy, uh, just about there, and I said to uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn, I said, meet my friend Jerry. I said, if you were a true socialist, this is what you believe. <laughs> That's it. He's far too right-wing at the moment. Um, then it was harvest time on the farm and we celebrated harvest and we produced our own harvest. Of course, we're producing our crops on the farm all year long, which is great. And we had another new birth. This little lamb was born late on and he was only about 
um, 30 minutes old when that picture was taken of him. That's great. And if you've not been to the farm recently, these are some of the new buildings that we've just built. The farm is a fantastic um, uh, place. And here are some of the South Bank students using it. Um, they're, um, they're acting out um, uh, of mice and men. And um, having sent all the um, goods to... Um, Greece, as we did, we decided to run Harvest for Hope again, and the team, I don't think anyone from uh, that core team's here this morning, we decided that this time, instead of sending goods to Greece, what we would do is uh, build some housing, provide some housing here, buy some housing here for a Syrian family, and work with Lambeth Council to do that, and uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas, we realised that we actually have enough, we think, to buy a house, which is really good, uh, enough money from all you guys, which is absolutely fantastic, and Lambeth Council have formally agreed to work with us, so that's a project for the first three months of this coming year to do something about that and get that rocking and rolling. And we had an evening with Tim Vine, which was really fantastic, and that was packed out. And on that exact same day, the government approached us because we'd suggested that we were going to buy a house and house some Syrian refugees. On that exact same day, that afternoon, I remember, um, uh, the government uh, began talking to us about this problem and it was, of course, that the uh, jungle at Calais was being pulled down, and they asked us to open an emergency house, and we did open an emergency house. We had 48 hours notice in the East End, and we housed around about 40 young people from uh, Calais, from around the world um, uh, there. And um, towards the end of the year, at the same time, we launched, uh, this is uh, called the Slot Soft Play Area. It's at Johanna. These uh, young men, uh, some of your, whom you're seeing in picture in a moment, they all uh, have physical disabilities, and we ran a great campaign, and we got Cubana to help us, and we created a whole new soft play area, and some of you helped celebrate that, and that's David in the middle, who runs um, Hub Athletic, and he was the guest of honour. They love David. And then we got to the farm again, and it was getting near to Christmas, and that is, in actual fact, an official shot of Father Christmas in his grotto on the farm. I didn't know he wore glasses until looking at that, but he does. And then we had the noisy nativity, and there's some of the guys from Johanna and oh, all sorts of other guys taking part. These are good shots. And then we went down the pub, and we had beer and carols, which was the um, Sunday before the Sunday before Christmas. And that, look, most charismatic worship I've seen in this place for years, actually. It was amazing. It was incredible. And then we sang on the station, but that wasn't a shot from this year, Nathan, because I couldn't find one, but I found one from last year, so there you go. We sang on the station, and how much money did we raise for the food bank? We raised more than £8,000 by singing carols all day long. Yes, that's really good for the food bank. And then a couple of days before Christmas, um, the South Bank Choir were on ITV in the morning, and uh, there's Flick, and they sang everybody into Christmas, and all that happened during the year! So now I want to return you, really, to the verse that we just read. Um, it tells us that the wise men, the Magi, having visited uh, Jesus... It says, 
Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The wise men, as we call them, the Magi, were people who lived with an open mind rather than a closed one. It was their open mind that brought them in the very first place to visit Jesus. They were, as you I'm sure all know now, from Persia. They were Zoroastrians, they were philosophers, they were wise. Actually, we're sure they were wise, we're not sure they were men, but we're sure they were wise. They may have been a mixed gender group, but they were wise thinkers. And they journeyed a long way because of their studies had led them to think that a Messiah, a revolutionary, a king who would change the world was going to be born. And so they made the treacherous journey towards Judea because they were wise enough to have heard of Herod. Herod was not a good king. Herod, I don't know if you know this, but he was a puppet king, what was actually called a client king. He was a client king of the Romans. That basically meant Judea was under the Roman Empire and they installed someone who would do what they wanted. Herod wasn't popular, he used to rob his people. He robbed his people to provide taxes to the Romans and he was hated by the Jews, his own people for it. He rebuilt the temple though. I don't know if you know that the Wailing Wall, do you know that you still see on the telly, was built by Herod the Great. It was one of his great schemes but he taxed his people till the bone to build this great temple structure and one or two other things. And after he built the temple, do you know what he put in the entrance? He put a golden eagle, the eagle being the symbol of the Roman Empire. So the question was raised, who did he build this for? Was he building it for, Jew for the Jews or was he building it for the Romans? He taxed his own people and he desecrated the temple by setting up this golden eagle right in its forecourt. But he was tougher than that. He wanted to build a dynasty. He wanted to stay king. He wanted to build a future, which drove him. He had five sons, and it drove him to murder two of them. The eldest two, which he saw as threats to his power, he had his own sons assassinated because he felt that they were beginning to get in the way of his, his own leadership. And to cover the whole thing up, he had their mother, who was called Miriam, Miriam I. He had Miriam murdered as well. Herod was not a good man. He was a dangerous man. And so when these magi these wise people make their journey to Judea, they're going on a dangerous trip as well. Comfort would have told them to stay at home. Ease would have told them to stay at home. If they were into their own protection, they would have read about what went on in Judea, but stayed well away from Herod. But instead, not only do they make the trip, but they go to see him as well. I'd like to um, ask you a question. What have these people got in common? Ready? We can talk to one another about that. The list is, right, it, and the list is Florence Nightingale. Got that? Emmeline Pankhurst. Amy Johnson. Got those three? 
Florence Nightingale, Emmeline Pankhurst, Amy Johnson, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, Charles de Gaulle, Mahatma Gandhi, and Mother Teresa. What have they got in common? Talk to the person next to you or the people around you. I'll read them again. Think about it. Florence Nightingale, Emmeline Pankhurst, Amy Johnson, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, Charles de Gaulle, Mahatma Gandhi, and Mother Teresa. What do they have in common? Do you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was. It's a hard thing uh, to work out. They were an extraordinary kind of person, each of them because they had the ability to see things differently. They lived with an open mind. They were able, unlike most people, to move on. And if you know the stories of any of them, all of them faced enormous opposition in what they were about because most people can't live with an open mind. Most people get stuck in a rut. Most people do tomorrow what they did today. We are at the beginning of a brand new year. In a moment, we're going to take some bread and wine and we're going to remember the way of Jesus. It strikes me that the way of Jesus is always to push us out of our rut, always to push us on, always to help us see things a new way, always to live dangerously. In following Jesus, the Magi took on stress and trouble and they confronted Herod. In following Jesus, they end up not just worshipping him, but in that verse we read together, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another way. They were always inquiring, always open, always flexible, always pushing beyond the envelope, but always ready to do something different. As we enter 2017, can it be said of us, that we are people who dream of a way that we've not already walked and who are ready to walk in 2017 in new ways. Not the tried and tested ways, but to take risks and to push the barriers out of the way and to move on. In 1900, Queen Victoria reigned over a quarter of the whole world. One in every five people on earth were part of the British Empire. The sun never set on the empire, as you know. But that was in 1900. On January the 22nd, 1901, Victoria died. And the 20th century became a century of enormous change. In um, 1863... Jules Verne, you know him, famous author? Jules Verne wrote a follow-up novel to his last bestseller, and it was called Paris in the 20th Century. So this is 1863, and he wrote a book called Paris in the 20th Century. So it was looking, it was looking 50 years into the future. It predicted cars instead of horse-drawn carriages. It predicted automatic trains. He talked about electric lights. There were none. He talked even about fax machines. He believed that one day there would be a machine where you could write a letter and you could send it 
electronically, there were no electronics at the time, and it would be received hundreds of miles away. His publishing company rejected the book on the grounds that no one would ever believe such wild predictions. So much so that that book was not actually published until 1994. He wrote it 131 years before anyone was willing to publish it because no one could see what he could see. In 1899, Charles Jewell in America was the commissioner of the US Patent Office and he wrote to the president of the time and asked that his, his patent publishing organization should be abolished. And he said this, everything that can possibly be invented has been invented already. In 1903, the American physicist Albert Michelson said, the more important fundamental laws and facts of, the physical, of physical science have all been discovered. The possibility of these ever being supplemented is exceedingly remote. He wrote that in 1903. In 1905, Einstein published his theory of general relativity, which totally exploded everybody's ideas about the basis of science. And by 1927, when Heisenberg published his uncertainty principle, all of the theories that had stood in 1900 were gone. Every single one of them was blown away. But you know this, another fact. In 1957, Britain's astronomer royal, I'm sure you don't know his name, his name was Richard Woolley. It's 1957. People never learn, you see. He says, it's impossible to journey into space. Thought of space travel is utter bilge. That was 1957. In 1961, Yuri Gagarin, the Russian cosmonaut, flew round the Earth. Twelve years after, twelve years later, a man stood on the moon. The truth is that the world is constantly changing. And so back to who we are and where we are, I want to ask you this question. As you begin the journey of 2017, are you someone who, like the Magi, will live with an open mind? We've looked at all the stuff that we as a church did last year and we could explore what we did as individuals last year. But the journey we took last year was a wonderful year. So many things happened through the life of our church. We opened this wonderful center. There are, by my estimate, around about a thousand people that come through this building almost every day of the year now. If you're taking on board the school and you take on board the college and the library and the coffee shop and the food bank and the debt advice center and all the clubs that take place, there are at least a thousand people Monday through Saturday that come through this building, as well as everything that happens on a normal Sunday. That's an extraordinary thing. The stories of people who found hope and forgiveness and life and friendship 
here are just extraordinary. The people who've been released from debt. The stories of people who found, for the first time, community, old and young. The stories of people who found help in their sadness in life. And the stories of people who found joy. The number of people this year that have got married through this community, this church. The number of weddings I've been to, it's been absolutely phenomenal. People who found each other sat on those very chairs you're sat on now. But all of that is past. In 2017, we've got to be, I think, like the Magi. We've got to be ready to say, we can do this a different way. We can step into things we've not stepped into yet. The issues that we've avoided, the big issues that have been too beyond us, we can start thinking about. What are the issues for people who live in this community? What about the issue of housing? What about the issue of good employment? What about the issue of fair wages for everyone? I was talking to one of the bosses of one of the uh, hotels here, and they were offering to give us some money for the food bank. And I said, don't give us money for the food bank. Pay all your staff a living wage. And they said, why? And I said, because if you pay them a living wage, then they won't have to come to the food bank. The boss said, can we just give you the money for the food bank? We have to change those things. The Magi were people who were prepared to take on the big challenges. They were prepared to take on Herod. The question is, who are the little Herods in your life? What are all those ways in which you are held back? How are we going to move forward as a church and as individuals in 2017? Arthur C. Clarke, have you heard of him? I finished with a quote from him. He said, the reason people don't move forward is because they get too bright. He said this, too great a burden of knowledge can clog the wheels of the imagination. We know how the world works, and it works like this. Therefore, we can't go forward. And then he said this. He said, most progress doesn't happen due to a failure of imagina imagination and nerve. I put it to you that the Magi had imagination and they had lots of nerve. And I challenge you, as I challenge myself, and I challenge us as a church, to live with imagination and nerve in this new year. Let's pray. A question in our prayer. What are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? What have you avoided? What is it that you believe can't happen? Who is it that needs justice that hasn't been brought justice? What's the area of your life that's never been converted, that's never been changed? What attitude is it? What is it about your resources or your time or your money that stubbornly resists coming under the rulership of the King who is Jesus? Are you listening for the voice of God? Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. As we press on into 2017 and all of its challenges and opportunities, are you listening for the dream? And will we press on by new routes, different routes, in new ways? Lord, make us those people who listen to you. This is our prayer. 
Amen.